Support comes from Empower Missouri, providing in-person and virtual training to become an advocate for Missourians living in poverty. Registration for Empower Missouri's March 27th Advocacy Day is at empowermissouri.org WOA. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Rosenbaum, a political correspondent with St. Louis Public Radio. Missouri Congressman Jason Smith is part of a bipartisan deal that could make significant changes to the federal child tax credit and bolster a popular incentive to increase low-income housing. This legislation also includes a number of business tax incentives, including some for research and development purposes. I spoke with the Salem Republican about the Tax Relief for American Families and Workers Act and how some Democrats are not impressed by some of the provisions. Here's my conversation with Congressman Jason Smith. So one of the things I wanted to talk with you about for this this multifaceted piece of legislation is how it changes uh, refundability with the child tax credit. Before we talk about exactly what it does, can you just explain the concept of refundability to people that may not understand that type of tax jargon? Exactly. You know, the child tax credit as it currently exists is broken up into two directions. It's a $2,000 per child tax credit, but the refundability aspect is roughly $1,700. And what that means is, is the being refundable means that that families will receive at least $1,700, whether they have to, whether they still owe taxes or whether they don't owe taxes, they would still get that $1,700. This bill actually um, increases at $100 every year over the next three years. Um, When the 2017 tax cuts was passed, it created the refundability at $1,400 indexed with inflation. And that's why it has went up in the last seven years to $1,700. So let's just say there's a taxpayer in Donovan who has two children They work at a gas station, but they don't earn enough to pay federal taxes. So under this bill, would they get, what, $3,600 instead of $3,200? Or am I getting the math incorrect on that? So under the first year, they would get um, $3,600. And then the year after that, it would be $3,800 because it's a $100 increase over the next three years on the child tax credit, starting with this year. What would you say to folks who would say that's somewhat underwhelming of an increase given how inflation has kind of rocked our collective worlds? That's also just one point of the changes in the child tax credit in this bill. There's three other items that we're doing. One, um, we're eliminating what I refer to as the child penalty. You know, there's a work requirement for the child tax credit where you have to work so much before you can qualify. And how current law is, it allows it where work, work requirement for your first child and your second child and your third child. But once you earn it with your first child under this bill, you earn it, whether you have two children, whether you have three children or four children. That is a huge provision that will help a lot of working families. The other thing that we're doing is the top line, $2,000. It's been $2,000 since 2017. 
It has not changed, even though inflation's gone up 20%. But we're we're starting to index it for inflation um, starting moving forward of the 2000s. So the top line child tax credit will continue to grow as well. So there's a couple different levers. And the issue is, is that, you know, when you're in divided government, where my counterparts um, on the Senate side are controlled by Democrats, we're controlled by Republicans, you have to find some common ground. And this is where we were able to get common ground when you're looking at an $80 billion tax bill. I watched the markup on Friday and it was illuminating because it it, it kind of showcased the some of your Democratic colleagues' position on this pretty vividly. Now I know it was voted out what 40 to 3 or something like yeah. that. So so they they made these arguments and still voted for it, but they wanted the child tax credit to go up to like 2021 levels of $3600 and full refundability. Uh, why did this bill not go that far? Well, what they wanted would cost 120 billion dollars a year. And over the 3-year period it would have cost 366 $360 billion just on the child tax provisions alone. And it would have transformed the child tax credit to more of like a, instead of a, a tax credit, to more of like um, uh, just straight out direct checks. And that's not how the child tax credit was created in 1997, I believe it was. Um, and so that was, and they also didn't want work requirements. That was one of the amendments that they offered that we voted down. They wanted to eliminate work requirements. And if you look at the last time they had this expanded version um, in existence, they did monthly checks. Um, it was 100% refundable. It was direct payment. And it was an increase, an, an increase amount. However, just that year alone, only... 1.6 million people returned to the workforce because the work requirement was eliminated. When that expired, just in the months of January and February the following year, 1.7 million people returned to the workforce. So the work requirements in the child tax credit do make a difference. And, and I also know there was an amendment to try to have the, the monthly checks come back. Can you explain why Republicans oppose that? And for full disclosure, you know, my family did get that and we did use it for things like paying for daycare and groceries and other things. But I, I do want to give you a chance to explain your reasoning behind not putting that in the bill. Yeah, it's like telling um, Americans, we don't trust you to spend your your tax refund appropriately. So we're going to direct you that you only get a twelfth of a twelfth of it every month. That's that's just. We, we believe that you can make the best decisions using your own money the way that you want. So when you get that tax refund, you should just get it all at once instead of the government actually um, receiving interest income by not paying you all of what they owe you. So there were obviously more things in this bill besides the child tax credit. There was a number of fairly significant business incentives. And one of the things you've heard from Democrats, both inside and outside the committee, and they, they, and I, I also heard some Democrats support some of them. So I want to make it clear this is not a universal view. But I saw this quote from your your colleague, Missouri Congressman Emanuel Cleaver, who was quoted saying, "I'm not sure I'm ready to genuflect over a deal that makes corporate tax provisions a number one priority." And it, this is not a direct quote, but over the child tax credit, you, you're going to hear that a lot. I think when this bill comes up from Democrats. 
What is going to be your general retort to that line of argument? Well, it's just simply not true. Um, and why I would say that is, is that the parameters of this bill, the half amount is on the child tax credit and half our business. That's exactly what it is. It's an $80 billion bill. And that's how it's divided. It's just the child tax credit is so costly. And to do what the Democrats want, I just told you over the same time period, it would have cost $360 billion when this one tax bill is only 80 and it's paid for by removing bad tax policy. So I would love it if the Democrats could find $360 billion, which they can't and they don't have the solution. So if you want change, you need to do it incremental, needs to be paid for, and it needs to be something that is palatable by both sides. I want to ask about the low-income housing tax credit aspect of the bill. My understanding is it would increase the amount of federal low-income housing tax credits that get uh, distributed to states. If that's accurate, how do you think that's going to make a difference when it comes to cultivating low-income housing across the country? Well, um, there is no question that America is is facing an affordable housing crisis. That's why addressing the the housing crisis is another top priority in this bill. Um, what we're looking at with these provisions and and what it is, um, this is a, a housing tax provision that expired several years ago with a proven record of being very beneficial. It is expected just by the provision of this low income housing tax credit, it will affect just in our home state, 1,500 additional housing units, 2,300 jobs, and $260 million in wages and business income. So it it will have a pretty, pretty strong impact just in the state of Missouri. So my final question for you is, is kind of touching on a point that I think it was Congressman Thompson pointed out. He was praising you for, you know, leading this genuinely bipartisan effort because Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon is kind of the point person in the Senate. And he was like, why can't Congress do this with like immigration or any other issue? Um, is, is this sort of bill, and I know we're not at the finish line yet, it has to pass through both houses of Congress, but if this bill makes it through the process, is this a lesson for, I guess, both parties, but particularly your caucus, that bipartisanship isn't a dirty word and it can be used to actually pass meaningful policy changes. Yeah, I, I think that it 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 is something that both Republicans and Democrats need to look at. Um, Senator Wyden and myself politically are two totally different souls. He's a progressive in Oregon and I'm a conservative in Missouri. But, you know, we can find some common ground. And this bill, for example, of the 43 members of my committee, the Ways and Means Committee, 42 out of 43 has pieces of legislation that they've been working on and they've been supporting in it. Only one of 43 people doesn't even have one of their single pieces of legislation that they worked on it. You can figure it out. It's not easy. Believe me. You take arrows. I've been taking arrows from from different entities, different groups, because they felt like that I gave too much on the child tax credit 
or um, that we didn't go far enough. So at both ends of the spectrum are attacking you, whether it's the far left or the far right. But I believe this is the best policy under divided government. And of course, we need to do the same thing when it comes to securing our border. We need to do the same thing when it comes to um, funding our government. It's the same thing when you're looking at world affairs. And you think it'll come up like next week or something like that? And and are you confident it'll be able to make it through to both chambers? You know, I'm pushing for it to come up as soon as we return. Um, we've already uh, been moving at lightning speed. Tuesday, we came out with agreement. Friday, we had the vote in committee after a, almost a five-hour markup. And we did that on Friday whenever it was snowing outside and votes had been canceled. We continued to push forward um, to, to help deliver this so that it could be on the floor when we return. And and I feel like with the comments that we have seen from Leader Schumer, who says he wants to put this on the House, on the Senate floor um, and that he has support of it, the White House has now came out in support of it, even though they had nothing to do with this. But, um, you know, ultimately it would take his signature to, to sign it into law. That's Missouri Congressman Jason Smith, a Republican from Salem. You can read more of our politics and government coverage by going to stlpr.org or by subscribing to Politically Speaking wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, and thank you for listening. a smart speaker, you have access to the entire world of NPR and St. Louis Public Radio. All the latest news and all the captivating stories. Activate our voices with yours by telling your smart speaker to play St. Louis Public Radio.